0: Hi, I'm Tyler Boss, one of the narrators on the Abide app, a premium ad-free biblical meditation experience. Join the millions of people who download the Abide app to reduce stress, improve sleep, and experience the peace of God every day. You can text the word peace to 22433 for a seven-day free trial of Abide. Just text peace to 22433, and you'll likely hear from me again on the app as I guide you through daily meditations or help you fall asleep and experience the peace of God. you're listening to the huddle up podcast with chad jensen and zach kelberman join broncos country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off and now it's time to drop some knowledge
2: Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up! Podcast, presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, is my partner in crime. You know him. You love him. Is your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports, he is Zach Kelberman. Zach, here we are, whatever it might be, three, four days after the conclusion of the NFL draft. Still, John Elway is yet to pick up that phone, apparently, and call Chris Harris.
1: Yeah, he said he would make contact with Harris's camp after the draft, and as of yesterday, according to NFL Network, no contact has been made. The size remains stagnant. Uh, Chad, this could drag on a while. I mean, a lot of Broncos fans thought after the draft they didn't take a cornerback, they didn't trade him, that if he was going to get done right away. But this could drag on through May, uh, through even the, the mandatory camp next month. So there's no end in sight as of right now.
2: I've been trying to warn fans that, you know, don't, don't go out and, you know, the sky's not falling, in other words, because... Elway, even if this lasts into the late summer, that's kind of Elway's M.O., brother. I mean, again, pointing back to Von Miller, pointing back to Brandon Marshall, even though the Marshall one wasn't contentious, the way it's kind of started here with Harris, the way it had been with Miller and even D.T. a little bit, Marshall wasn't contentious, but it still waned into the late summer before Elway basically. And who was it? Uh, I can't think of it now. Oh, it's Champ. Hello. He said that, look, Elway doesn't pay a guy until he has to. And right now, the rubber isn't really meeting the road because everything so far has been voluntary. You know, then we got rookie minicamp coming up in a, in a week and a half, whatever it might be. And the vets really, until they get to the, the mandatory minicamp, then it becomes serious. My bold prediction is that you probably won't see movement on Elway and Harris until close to that mandatory camp. They'll, they'll, he'll probably get together and say, look, <clears throat> hey, are you planning on attending mandatory minicamp? And if Harris is like, no, pound sand, not till you pay me, I'm not moving a muscle, then maybe it's a conversation. And and either way, I think it's still going to get tied up this summer. I really do.
1: Yeah. yeah. He has no incentive to show up before next month because all these practices this month, these OTAs, they're all voluntary. So he's within his right. He's still under contract. But it sounds like he wants to stay, but he's worth 15 mil. He says the Broncos want him to stay, but he's not worth 15 mil in their eyes. So that's where the the fork in the road is. That's where the stagnation is. And until one of those parties succumbs to the other, they're going to continue bumping heads. It's just how negotiations work.
2: Yeah. But as far as a parting message to, to our listeners and to fans, honestly, it's irritating because, you know, everyone, and especially in today's day and age, we want everything to have instantaneous gratification where everyone's worried about Chris Harris and, you know, you want resolution now, but I really wouldn't worry too much about it. You know, no. it, they're still working on kind of the football clock and it'll happen. So today we're, uh, we're going to dive into a few topics as it relates to the Broncos roster and uh, if we have time, we're going to touch on a few of the vets who were put on notice as a result of the 2019 draft class. But first, just a couple of quick reminders. You guys, make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. Open up Twitter, easy to do. Find at HuddleUpPod. It's the best way for you to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. And then don't forget to leave your five-star rating and creative review on iTunes. You guys have done a phenomenal job the last two months helping us out on that. So
0: get Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was
1: only playing for fun. So winning this was a dream come true.
0: Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun with over 80 casino style games to choose from. You too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a world. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. get that
2: done all right Zach so let's uh, t- talk about something that I think is is on the minds of at least those of us here at mile High huddle 24/7 sports and that is the spots the the roster holes that elway was not quite able to fill with with the 2019 draft and I don't think it's fair to really count the college free agents toward these holes because they really are such unknown quantities I mean we can at least factor them in in terms of the conversation but if you're really trying to project out it's hard to say you know that Joe Denine, for example the undrafted rookie linebacker solves Denver's off-ball linebacker hole right so let's go through and talk about the five roster holes as we see it that are still an issue for the Broncos post-draft and it's impossible right Zach to fill every hole in a draft. No,
1: it's, it's you can't do it. I mean, you can do your best. The Broncos only had eight picks, and they had a lot more holes when you think of backups and starters. You just can't do it. I think he did well for the capital that he had to work with.
2: Went into the draft with eight picks, came out with six selections because of his maneuverings. Plus, he added a 2020 third-rounder, John Elway, to next uh, next year's hole. So that'll be paying dividends on down the road. But we'll go through these. This isn't necessarily in, in – um, Any particular order, but let's talk about the first one since I've already mentioned it off ball linebacker So first and foremost projected starters Todd Davis Josie Jewell and then you got your depth which is Joe Jones Alexander Johnson You got Keyshawn Bearia one of last year's late round picks and then of course the college free agent guys How are you feeling about currently as it stands? Zach the off ball linebacker depth for the Broncos
1: Uh, The depth is okay, but it's mostly unproven. You also have Justin Hollins in there working at ILB. He's also a natural OLB. I'm not crazy about this position. I thought the Broncos should have prioritized it a little more, but obviously they didn't sign anyone in free agency. They didn't draft anyone. They didn't trade for anyone like Darren Lee. Fangio really believes he has the tools to work with at this spot, and he thinks based on his coaching and the coaches around him, he can mold some of these younger players like Alexander Johnson or Joe Jones. I would prefer to have a a, a stud in that inside linebacking core, not Josie Jewell or Todd Davis. I mean, an actual stud, like one of the Devins. But the depth, if, if he can work his magic Fangio, they can find a starter in there. But I'm not sold
2: just yet. Yeah. I mean, I'll credit uh, a friend of the site, Cecil Lammy, for this phrase. The Fangio bump, that's something that, that Cecil likes to mention. And there's certain, obviously, that you can look at the entire defense and go, you know what, the whole defense is going to – get a Fangio bump. They're going to benefit from a Fangio bump in, in play in 2019, just because in a similar way that the defense got that bump from Wade Phillips in 2015. But I think the linebacker positions are the two that we can really inside and off and outside linebacker are the two spots that we can really see the biggest impact coming from Fangio. And since we're talking about inside linebacker at this point, I know people have their doubts, Zach, about Todd Davis and about Josie Jewell, and I understand why. There are definitely some concerns and limitations there, but you know, I'm really curious to see how they respond to the coaching and the X's and O's acumen of Fangio and his staff there. They might end up being, you know, being able to kind of outkick their coverage, so to speak, in 2019, and maybe not make this as, an, as immediate of a whole as it kind of feels in May.
1: Well, let me just say that not every single player is going to respond to Fangio's coaching. Not every single player is going to be a superstar. So if they can get a couple contributions out of this linebacking core, a couple players, they'll have done their job. And I agree with your premise, though, that Todd Davis is a solid player against the run. He's a solid two-down thumper. And as long as he's used exclusively in that role, I don't have a problem. The problem comes when you stick him on third downs, linebackers, tight ends, and pass covers when you misuse him. As long as the coaches use Todd Davis correctly, he can be an effective player. Same for Josie Jewell. I just wish the Broncos had a true sideline-to-sideline, three-down, pass-covering phenom like a Devin White on this roster. But all things considered, they have studs up front, studs in the secondary, studs at OLB. You can't have all pros everywhere. It's enough to get by with, Chad.
2: Yeah. I still have nightmare visions of... Todd Davis running behind George Kittle in San Francisco. And just, you know, I worry that that's what, uh, you know, the fate that awaits this Broncos defense. But again, thinking about the bump, even in a worst-case scenario, if Todd Davis and Josie Jewell are your first and second down linebackers and then one of them leaves the field and Asua Cravens comes on or whoever it might be to play that dimebacker role, there's ways to kind of scheme and work around it. And I think, honestly, unless – one of these guys like Alexander Johnson or even Joseph Jones, who obviously I don't expect. I think Joseph Jones, at least in Denver, has kind of hit his ceiling. He's going to be that special teams ace. He's going to be that depth linebacker. Even though I think there's more, I think the way the team views him, he's kind of hit the ceiling that they're going to allow him to reach. So Johnson, he's an unknown quantity. Who knows? He might surprise and shock everybody this summer in camp. Keyshawn Bieria, even though he was, to me, very lackluster in preseason, and we only really got to see him um, as far as regular season on special teams. I think he did dress for a few games, and he did get a few defensive reps late in the season. But if a couple of those guys end up kind of being dark horses that come out of nowhere, which, you know, this is the NFL, and these guys are developing all the while, even though for us it can be out of sight, out of mind, these guys are working on their craft. They're working with their coaches. They're working with their trainers, and they're constantly honing their craft to, to improve and get better. And so oftentimes you see guys take that quantum leap that kind of come out of nowhere. And who's to say, Zach, it might not come from one of these depth linebackers.
1: Yeah, and don't forget that Fangio wants to use even Bradley Chubb brushing inside. He wants to move around the formation. I agree with you that Fangio is going to hide a lot of the Broncos' deficiencies with good coaching. It's one thing the Broncos haven't had the last couple years, and between the lot, they have enough to succeed with. There's no true all pros in there, but between the coaching with Fangio, Brandon Saley, Reggie Herring, they have enough to get by, I believe.
2: All right, let's, let's move on to the next one here. The Denver Broncos, of course, drafted Dalton Reisner in the second round, And even though he mostly played right tackle in college, the Broncos envision him as an interior player at the next level. So that really does leave out a swing tackle. As it stands currently, the Broncos have Garrett Bowles, Jawan James, and then maybe you could view Elijah Wilkinson, because that's the role he played the first couple years he was in Denver, counting his practice squad time, as a swing tackle candidate. I still don't think the team's really viewing him that way. So I don't think as far as analyzing the roster would serve us the best to put him in the conversation. But the Broncos did sign a a trio, I think it was, of offensive tack, or at least offensive linemen, a couple of whom are going to compete for that backup job, the swing tackle job. But I'm not convinced at this point, Zach, that whoever the swing tackle ends up being for the Broncos in 2019 is currently on the roster. And Jared Valdir, it sounded like he's going to end up defecting over to New England. Yeah, the Broncos probably
1: should have added a veteran just
2: for depth. But the thing
1: with Denver is they love to cross-train their linemen. Riser can play all three positions. Wilkinson can play guard and uh, tackle. You can have McGovern move inside. So if, if there's an injury that arises, you have linemen that can uh, step in at a moment's notice. I would feel better, though, I agree with you, if they had just a true tackle on the roster. I wouldn't have minded Vildier on a cheap one- or two-year deal even. But um, you can't really— look to bring back all your free agents, you have to kind of look to the pool, and the Broncos didn't prioritize that. I just feel with the cross training and Mike
2: Munchak, they can get by without a true swing OT. I talked to Eric Trickle about this very issue and, you know, he brought up Jared Valdir as really being the best option available to the Broncos right now, but he's probably gonna cost way more than they're willing to pay for a swing guy. And so what Eric told me is that, you know, Elijah Wilkinson obviously he was moved inside and right now, the only backup tackles the Broncos currently have are Jake Rogers and the undrafted rookie, Jake Leglu. That's not necessarily a good thing because Bowles has struggled, and is, as high as we all are on Juwan James, he's also struggled with injury over the years, Zach. So this is one area, you know, if we're putting it in order of, you know, how, how big of an issue it might be for the team, I might actually put offensive tackle depth higher currently than inside linebacker because at least – Inside linebacker has the benefit of great coaching and excellent, you know, complementary pieces around it on the defense.
1: Yeah, but so does Mike Munchak. He has that voice too. So I'm confident that if he's in that room and he pined for these some of these undrafted guys, and knowing Elway's track record with undrafted free agents. Hopefully a guy like Leglu can step up. They can develop a guy. I've been saying it for over a year now. They haven't molded that true backup offensive tackle of the future. They keep just bringing in these veterans as placeholders. They finally came to their senses by handing Juwan James a long-term deal by drafting Dalton Reisner, but they don't have a true backup tackle. Maybe Wilkinson, uh, maybe someone like an undrafted free agent, but I, I also agree that this is a higher priority. They have to bring in a true veteran guy. Veldier would have been perfect, Chad, but
2: obviously they see a difference in his uh, value. Let's also talk about, and this one really isn't that severe, especially if Chris Harris, it all works out there in the negotiations, but cornerback, Elway obviously did not address it in the draft. He did sign Elijah Holder, I think his name is, am I getting that right, as an undrafted rookie to come in and compete. But let's just assume, just for the sake of argument, just playing devil's advocate and that maybe Chris Harris is is not a part of the conversation in 2019, although I really do think he will be. You got Kareem Jackson, you got Bryce Callahan, you got Isaac Yadam, and then it really falls off a cliff. So even though on paper today the Broncos are a solid four deep at the position, as we learned last year was a great example, Zach, that all it takes is one injury to that core and it you know it bigs, builds up momentum, and pretty soon you're starting Isaac Yadam, and quarterbacks are just feasting on your defense. So it might not be like an immediate need today, because if Chris Harris does get re-signed, you know, I think it'll be okay, but it's something to keep an eye on.
1: This is one of the first drafts I can remember in a long time that he didn't take a corner. And it says to me immediately that he either feels confident in getting something done with Harris, or he likes the current cornerbacks. Even without Harris, though, they can get by – I would prefer another position where they'd add a veteran, maybe like someone like Kayvon Webster, perfect veteran insurance there. But even if Harris is not a part of the picture, you have two starting solid cornerbacks and a corner in Yadam that I feel could thrive with Fangio's coaching. And also, don't write off Devontae Bosby. I think he can make something in camp with Fangio. So let's assume Harris is out of the picture. This is still a passable group. With Harris, though, there is nothing to worry about. They don't need any depth at all, and I think the draft reflected that.
2: Good point. I totally spaced Bosby because he was playing number one corner in the That's initial right. voluntary minicamp because Harris was holding out and they had Kareem Jackson at safety and Bryce Callahan. They were playing it safe with him on the foot. So, And who knows, maybe he's going to turn out being a gem, Devontae Bosby. But so much of this right now is just unproven, unknown quantities as it relates to the NFL. And it's just going to take more time to really flesh out the truth. In terms of how deep the Broncos really end up being at cornerback. Now, let's keep it on that side of the ball. Safety. Now, this is another one of those positions that honestly going into the draft, I didn't think was that big of an issue for the Broncos. I mean, you always want to have depth, but if you look at the depth chart here, you got Justin Simmons at the top. We'll just include him for the sake of the conversation. You got Kareem Jackson, can play safety. You got Will Parks, you've got Sue Cravens. You've got Thomas, DeMonte Thomas, Jamal Carter, and then you've also got the kid uh, Trey, Trey Marshall. So it's a deep group there, Zach. Do you really think it's that big of a hole heading into the summer?
1: I don't think it's a giant hole, but so much is predicated on what they do with Kareem Jackson. Is he a full-time corner? Is he a full-time safety? Is he going to be a hybrid? Let's assume he's saying at corner on the starters are Parks and Justin Simmons. It's not bad. I'm a big fan of Simmons. I think he'll make a Pro Bowl leap this year. And Will Parks, to me, is better than Darian Stewart, so they've upgraded. I would have preferred, again, in the draft, they would have taken someone like a natural safety in the second or third round, but... Obviously, another position where Fangio thinks he can get the most out of the group that he has. Um, Cravens is the wild card here. If he can step up and provide the Broncos with the the ability that he has, uh, he can add another dimension to this defense. But as of right now, um, it's a solid but unspectacular group shot.
2: Yeah. Let's talk about also the burner wide receiver. Even though I think this is something that has really been overblown because – you know all wide receivers are pretty dang fast. If you're in the NFL, you're probably running 4445 as a wide receiver at worst. And even though Joe Flacco's coming in, he's used to having that elite receiver on the outside who can stretch the field. In a perfect world, if Emmanuel Sanders recovery all goes as planned, this is a non-issue, but you just don't know what to expect with a 31-year-old recovering from an Achilles. And so now it's a conversation. Obviously the Broncos did take a wide receiver in the draft. In the sixth round, they traded up to grab Juwan Winfrey, but he's not exactly the burner type. You know, he's six foot two, he's or might even be six foot three off the top of my head, I'm not positive. But he's not a burner. And so the Broncos did sign a couple of wideouts after the fact. Kelvin McKnight, wide receiver. Also, Trinity Benson, who you kind of view more as a weapon, an offensive weapon. My guess is they'll put him at wide receiver. They'll kind of play him like a trend and uh, trend holiday type where he's small enough to play either position. If you want to get creative as an offensive coordinator, you can find a way to utilize him. But he ran a 4-4-40 at his pro day, Trinity Benson. So he's a sleeper option here, Zach. And then also we can't forget Brendan Langley. Benson,
1: to me, screams uh, special teams maven like a, um uh, Isaiah McKenzie type. I don't know whether that's going to pan out or not, but he's not that starting burner type they really need. Um, we're all assuming, though, that Emmanuel Sanders is 100%. If he comes back week one healthy, this receiving core is fine. They have possession receivers, big body catchers, fast receivers, everyone for Joe Flacco. If he's not, then it's a problem. You don't have anyone who can stretch the field, maybe except for Philip Lindsay and Noah Fant. No one in that receiver core. Uh, to me, it's not River Craycraft. To me, it's not Brendan Langley. I'd be surprised if he even makes the roster, Chad. So this is one spot I would have preferred the Broncos maybe not trade up in the back end of the draft, maybe use that sixth or seventh round pick on a true burner. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, that's the only gripe I have from this, this draft class, as we talked about already.
2: By the way, since we're on the topic slightly of undrafted rookies, the Broncos signed. Has anyone gotten a load of <laughs> the jo- George Aston the fo- or The, full- the fullback. Back. His neck, dude. His neck is wider than his ears, bro. Like, it's he, he, insane. Have you seen that? He puts Janovich to shame. Yeah, he's, he's kind of a beast. He is a beast. So it's kind of interesting. And, I, and some fans are, are wringing their hands over, oh, I can't believe the Broncos added a fullback. You know, we got Jano. Funny we had 22 Janos, you know, the old cliche from our friend Brock Olivo. But you got to remember, Janovich is entering a contract year. And even though the addition of Rich Scangarello portends well for him in terms of his role growing and usage growing, because you look at what he saw with Kyle uh, Jusek, or however you pronounce that dude's name, in San Francisco. Things are looking good for Andy Janovich. I even wrote a story about it when they convened at minicamp in uh, April, but the addition of George Aston, I guess it's just sending a message, or maybe they just really liked him, and knowing that Andy Janovich is entering a contract year, they wanted to bring him in and get a look-see. Maybe. I think
1: this has uh,
2: Tom McMahon's
1: fingerprints all over it. I think it's just special teams depth. I mean, he's been one coach that's been outspoken about how bad they were last year, how much they can improve. They signed a new kicker. He's a guy that's not afraid to speak his mind. So I I wouldn't be surprised if he stumped for some of these players. In the end, if Janovich isn't the week one fullback, Chad, uh, the Broncos made a, a serious mistake. He's a top three guy in the NFL. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It'll be interesting, though, just to see how long Aston can stick. If the Broncos end up trying to keep him around on the practice squad because he's not making the final roster, no. you just no team in the league, especially modern NFL, is going to carry two fullbacks. So, unless Andy Janovich goes down with some kind of an injury, knock on wood, you know George Aston, best case scenario for him in Denver is the practice squad. So we still have a few other topics we want to dive into on today's show. But first, you guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back.
0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
2: All right, Zach. So we've touched on the biggest roster holes that remain. You got free agency in the books now, and the NFL draft. We covered that ground. Let's now talk about, and I think a good a good uh, premise to vibe off of is this article that Eric Trickle published on Wednesday morning. Five Broncos vets who were put on notice following the draft, and six who dodged a bullet. Let's see if if we agree with him. The first guy that he's got on here as dodging a bullet. Is Chris Harris Jr. because, as we talked about, the Broncos did not draft a corner. There's still concerns there about depth. But as we had talked about heading into the draft, Zach, we kind of we felt like if Elway was seriously considering not at least engaging Harris in contract talks, you'd see the Broncos take a corner somewhere in the premium rounds, and they did not do that.
1: Yeah, I think it became clear after the first or second day what, is, what he was going to bring back in a trade, and it didn't meet the Broncos' demands. Maybe they wanted a second or third, and he was only fetching a fourth or fifth. But yeah, it was a big thing for him to get through. Still, as we talked about, there's more uh, you know, room to grow between the sides. It's not a done deal just yet, but obviously, yeah, he did dodge a bullet by staying with the team and having no other competition on the roster uh, to come back to.
2: Yeah, and I have a sneaking suspicion that all along, Elway has had every intention of getting a deal done with Chris Harris, but there's just the posturing aspect, and anything he can do to create maybe a little bit more desperation on Harris's part, get him to drop down from 15 million down to you know 12 and a half or 13 million, if it takes being kind of a you know what in the media and taking a hard line to get that done, that's a risk Elway's willing to take.
1: And he did it in spades. I mean, he pumped up his leverage as much as he could, and he knew the Broncos had all of the leverage, and um, he's still sitting in the driver's seat. Harris remains under contract. People think he's unsigned, he's holding out. No, he's under contract. He's still the Broncos' property for one more year.
2: Yep. All right, here's a guy I completely agree with Eric Trickle's list here that is on notice, the Marcus Walker. Now, he's a guy, Walker, that both Zach and I have talked about as just kind of being an untapped potential guy, you know. But unfortunately, he's a member of that 2017 class that just seemed to be the epitome of entitled. And he hasn't really grasped his opportunity by the horns and made something of it in his two years so far in Denver. And it's kind of sad. I mean, if you think about it, it's quite a shock that he was a second-round pick and the few amount of games that he has dressed, Zach, it's it's really quite sad. And now, I mean, that should be a slap in his face. If that's not a reality check to Mr. Living Legend forty four on Twitter, <laughs> I don't know what is. And then now you got Draymond Jones coming in as a third round pick, who's a phenomenal player, you know, likely hand picked in tandem or in part or in partnership with Vic Fangio. So Walker's definitely on notice. I'm not saying that he's doomed, but if if he didn't take that as a wake up call, Zach, then You know, his time in Denver is probably short.
1: I mean, Walker's no stranger to getting slapped in the face. They moved him to OLB right after he was drafted. So he's no nothing but bad coaching, Chad. And I'm not saying he's going to be a great player or going to justify his draft status, but they have to give him a chance with a better coaching staff. Maybe he doesn't fit in the system. Maybe he's miscast. Maybe he's a bust. We don't know just yet. All I've seen with my eyes, every time he's on the field, he's been around the football. and I want to see players like that. It doesn't bode well necessarily that they took Draymond Jones in the third round but the more the merrier competition will only make the Broncos better and you can't have too many pass rushers so he is on notice it's make or break it's crap or get off the pot time I am looking forward to see though what he can do when given the chance he hasn't had the chance yet
2: and one good thing for Walker's prospects is he never really was a good scheme fit for what the Broncos were running the first two years he was in Denver he fits much more naturally with what Fangio's going to run in that 4-3-under. So I think there's a role for him in the fact that the Broncos starting three defensive linemen in uh, Derrick Wolf, Shelby Harris, and Adam Gotsis are all entering a contract year. The Broncos have to, as they structure their roster here at the end of the summer, they have to make decisions, hedge against the future. And even if Walker doesn't blow, you know, blow the doors down in training camp, that type of consideration could be... The, the sliver of, of daylight he needs to get his foot in the door and hold on to a roster spot, buy himself more time to impress Fangio. But I think if he doesn't make himself known in a big way this summer in training camp, he might not last long enough to even have that conversation on the doorstep of the regular season.
1: Yeah, I think he's a much better fit in the 4-3 scheme the Broncos will run, or the looks will run. And if he can't succeed there, Chad, he's probably going to be a bust.
2: So we'll we'll know this summer where DeMarcus Walker stands. All right, dodged a bullet. Devontae Booker, running back. Of course, the Broncos did not draft a running back this year. They did sign one in Devontae Jackson as a college free agent. But Booker, I guess in a sense, he, he did dodge a bullet, even though I don't think there was any realistic, possibility that he was going to be hitting the bricks even if the broncos you know maybe drafted a bryce love or a running back later in the draft mid rounds to late late uh, late rounds i don't think booker was going anywhere zach because the team has remained steadfastly uh supportive of booker they're high on booker he's coming off his best year as a pro and he's in a contract year so he might not be a player that ends up returning for a second contract but i think he's going to get every opportunity to play out the entirety of his rookie deal
1: Let's not forget the fact that Lindsey and Freeman were both hurt last year, yeah. and Lindsey still has no timetable, Chad, to return from wrist surgery. And I don't think it's a b- bullet being dodged. There was no bullet to dodge. Like you said, he was always a, a a big part of the Broncos' plans, and he's good depth. And like you and
2: I agree, he's a good player when given the chance. So I'm I'm glad that he's sticking around. Just the, the, the performances that Curtis Modkins was able to get out of all those running backs, you know, that, it really boded well. It bodes well, I should say, for Booker's future. And he might not have necessarily dodged a bullet, but I I think you could at least say maybe that you know, he's resting a little bit easier that the Broncos didn't draft a running back. Now, here's a couple of guys on notice. We'll kill two birds, one stone here. Quarterbacks, both Kevin Hogan and Garrett Grayson, are most definitely on notice because not only did the Broncos draft Drew Locke in the second round, they also signed Brett Rippon. So it hasn't been made official yet, at least to my knowledge, at the time of, the, of recording this podcast. But as we talked about in a previous episode, the report is that the Broncos offered Rippon six figures and guarantees to sign in Denver. So Kevin Hogan, Garrett Grayson, you're on notice. I, they're gone as far as I'm concerned. I mean, why even keep them around? What does Kevin Hogan
1: bring to the quarterback room in terms of upside that Locke and Rippon don't have? So and It was up to me. I would keep two on the 53, and I would put Ripon on the practice squad. That's the way I go about it. You have no benefit in keeping Garrett Grayson, a practice squad arm around, or Kevin Hogan, who was only signed because they had no one left last year after cutting Lynch and Kelly. So I'm, as far as I'm concerned, they're not on notice. They're gone. It's only a matter of, of time.
2: The Devil's Advocate fans, I've already seen it on social media, are saying, well, don't be so quick to, you know— get rid of Kevin Hogan. I mean, he's the the only backup that has any NFL experience. And while he does have technically NFL experience, he's been in the NFL a while, and he won a couple of Rose Bowls at Stanford. And, you know, he's got some starting experience as a quarterback playing at the highest levels of the game. He's only started one game in the NFL. So for those thinking to yourself, he's got all this, you know, wealth of experience as a starting quarterback in the NFL, one game. So Kevin Hogan, he's going to get more of an opportunity to prove himself. But I agree with you that you know you might you, you don't even have to write it in pencil. You can write it in pen that both Kevin Hogan, Garrett Grayson, four months from now, they're not going to be Broncos that. I, I mean, if Flacco goes down this seasons in the tubes anyway,
1: and at that point, I'd rather have Drew Locke in there getting experience and seeing what he can do than throwing Kevin Hogan in there, who's a below average NFL quarterback. So I just think by the time September
2: rolls around, he'll be unemployed. All right, here's a guy that trickle says dodged a bullet. Ron Leary. Now, here's his justification. He says, Leary has missed 15 games in two seasons with the Broncos, and he's expensive. Denver could have looked into getting multiple offensive linemen to build their offensive line, but they came away with only one. Leary still has time in Denver and got handed a rope. Now, what he does with it and whether he can stay on the field will seal his fate beyond this season. So maybe uh, this is another one similar to Devontae Booker, where he might not have necessarily dodged a bullet. I don't think a bullet had been fired, but he can rest a little bit easier. But so much of that, Zach, has already been determined by that injury uh, guarantee. Well, I mean, did he dodge a bullet? The
1: Broncos did draft an interior lineman, and he sure. could play guard if, if possible. So maybe, you know, maybe he is on notice. He has ended the last couple years on IR. He hasn't shown he can stay healthy. When healthy, he's a great player. I think he can be a Pro Bowler this year with Mike Munchak, but. Um, I think he is a little more unnoticed than Trickle let on there. If he struggles or goes down, they'll put Reisner in there, McGovern, Sam Jones. So he's going to have to really stay healthy and play well
2: and consistently to keep his job. And the Broncos traditionally throughout Elway's front office tenure have been loath to carry dead money. But the last year or so of real time, the Broncos have proven that if it takes getting rid of, of players who are not living up to their contracts, the team is willing to carry dead money. So... Ronald Larry, you know, you you need to turn the ship around. And hopefully, I think really all it comes down to with him is health. If he, if he can get yeah. healthy and stay healthy, he's going to be great because he's a phenomenal leader. He's great for culture, and he's a good player. And under the wing of a guy like Mike Munchak, he, he does have a Pro Bowl type of potential. So we'll see what happens there. Now, he's also got two safeties on here, <clears throat> having dodged a bullet. Sua Cravens and Will Parks and while we've already touched on the fact that safety remains kind of a minor need in terms of depth do you agree that these two players dodged a bullet Zach I think Will
1: Parks dodged a bullet because he's in line to start but Cravens to me is on notice I mean he had issues coming out of the Redskins and he didn't do much last year he had attitude issues and Fangio is take no BS I mean, if that didn't fly with Vance Joseph last year, it is not going to carry him far with Vic Fangio. So he is definitely on notice to a Cravens. And uh, Parks did dodge a bullet because he is not what some consider starting material, starting caliber. And right now he's penciled in there. So that's that's the way I see it, Chad.
2: Yeah, I do not disagree. Cravens needs to show that he was worth the investment that the Broncos gave up to get him here from Washington. And last year, again, it was passion for football questions, you know, uh, maturity issues, and Tyler Yes. Yep. So hopefully, a new coaching staff can get something out of him. If not, because he is a talented player. But if not, you got to hit the bricks. All right, three more here, and then we're out. You got Garrett Bowles, he has listed here as a player who dodged a bullet. And let me just read his little clip here. He mm. said Denver did technically draft a tackle, but they'll be playing Dalton Reisner at guard. This was speculation, or there was speculation the Broncos could draft a tackle and move Garrett Bowles inside to guard. With a weak group of tackles, though, Denver did not add another, which means Bowles will be staying at left tackle. However, this is the make-or-break year. Now, do you agree with the premise that 2019, his third year in the league, and the Broncos also have that fifth-year option they can exercise on him, do you agree, and this is kind of a common thing, too, amongst fans, do you agree that this is a make-or-break year for Garrett Bowles?
1: Yeah, I don't know how you don't. I mean, he's a franchise or hopeful franchise left tackle who struggled mightily the first two years. I mean, they're entrusting him with a lot, Chad, not just his contract, but protecting your uh, 34-year-old, quote-unquote, franchise quarterback, protecting your eventual uh, long-term quarterback in Drew Locke. Yeah, I mean, it is make or break. They say that NFL players need three seasons before you can judge them. Well, 2019 is, is, is judgment time for Garrett Bowles. I mean, he has to show improvement. There's no two ways about it.
2: All right, two more here. Tight ends we will we'll knock them out in one. Jake Butt, of course, and Jeff Hierman because the Broncos spent their first-round pick after trading back to pick 20 on Noah Fant, a phenomenal seam-stretching tight end, great pass catcher, brings athleticism, twitch, explosiveness to that position. And I think even though you've got Hireman as the journeyman, so to speak, their veteran, I think by the time the season rolls around, you're going to see Noah Fant either starting, and if not starting, getting way more snaps than Jeff Hireman. So I agree with both these, that, that Hireman and Butt are on notice. For Butt, it really does come down to health because <clears throat> if he can stay healthy, he's a player the Broncos really do believe in, but it's just a matter of fending off the injury bug, getting back on the field after three significant ACL knee injuries.
1: My hot take is either Butt or Hireman will be off the roster by September. They're not going to carry this many tight ends unless they put Fumagalli on the practice squad. It's just not feasible, Chad, so maybe it'll be but with all his ACL problems and he'll never be the same more than likely, and it's a shame, or Hireman, who they've resigned, but it was strictly a one-year deal when you boil it down. They can get out of that deal if they wanted to, and they drafted a tight end in the first round. That doesn't really bode well for the job security of all involved. They say that fan will have to prove his worth, Chad, but to me, that's coach speak. To first-round tight end, the best tight end you've had since Shannon Sharp or Julius Thomas, you're going to play the guy, and you can't carry that many, so... Both are on notice, but and Hireman, and I would not be surprised if one of them, but, is my choice, is cut.
2: I think the Broncos have a lot more faith in him than than that. I think they're going to give but a little bit more time to prove himself, and that's unless you know, if and unless his knee just really doesn't show any signs of progressing and giving the team any confidence that he can rebound. But according to his his uh, conversation he had on Denver radio a couple of weeks back. He, his recovery is ahead of schedule. He's feeling great. But, you know, you really expect someone to say that, right? I mean, right. how often do you hear a player who's recovering from injury do a media event and go, you know, I'm really behind schedule. This damn knee, man, it just it's plaguing me. I wanted to be able to run by now, but I can't. You just don't hear that stuff. And if a player is really struggling that way, you just don't find them making the rounds media-wise. So, you know, you take that for what it's worth. But I do think the Broncos still have plans and hopes for Jake Butt. And if he does end up you know, recovering in time, I think he can have a role, and I still think there's a reasonable chance you could sneak a Fumagalli onto the practice squad. But the flip side of that coin, because I agree with you, the odds of carrying four, tight ends are slim, five, forget about it. Fumagalli, though, the injury he's coming off of, he's already healthy. He's ready to go. Jake Butt's behind in that sense. So he's got some, some ground to cover. He's still got a month and a half, two months, whatever it might be, before the dog days of training camp. So, Fumagalli's prospects are probably a little bit better, at least on paper, yeah. but I do think the team really is holding out hope for Jake Butt.
1: Maybe, and we knew that Elway was a fan of his, and Butt was probably a, uh, a top-two-round you know, round talent a couple years ago, and it's a shame he's gotten injured, but in my mind, anything you get out of him this year, even one catch, is a bonus. I just would not count on Jake Butt at all. One injury is hard to come back from, two is almost impossible, and three is just unprecedented almost, so um, I would not... Uh, expect Jake to do anything. I'd be surprised,
2: but I'm not expecting it. All right. Well, that'll do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. As always, guys, make sure you're following the show on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. You can find my partner Zach Kelberman on Twitter at Kelberman247. Myself at Chad and Jensen. Don't forget to leave your creative review on iTunes. Give us that five star rating. And VIP subscribers, I put a thread up in MHH Insiders in the forum on the website for Friday's VIP mailbag. So whatever's on your mind, leave your questions there. Tomorrow we will return to answer those questions in the Mile High mailbag. Till then, for Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you soon.
0: You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.